Good afternoon and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. I suspect a significant majority of the guests, uh, those who listen to this show, are probably aware of, of my guest today, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I have been admiring him and following him for, for quite some time now, and I'm really Really blessed to have the chance to spend a few minutes with him. So say hello to my guest, Robert Scoble. He's a blogger, technical evangelist, and author. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, thanks for having me on. Eh, it's my pleasure. I, uh, I I know you came all the way back from Europe to spend some time with me. I I, I just got back last night, so, now it's, so I might be a little goofy. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Uh, can't be worse than wearing a glass in the shower. So, you know... Uh, like I said, I suspect most of my, my audience is familiar with you, but uh, just in case, take a few seconds, tell them a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, uh, uh, Rackspace, I work for Rackspace, big cloud computing company, and they, they asked me to go and study the future, and uh, mostly that means I go and talk to startup executives uh, around the world, uh, but sometimes I visit research labs or bigger companies that are doing something interesting, and um, yeah, it's a fun job. I I just came back from Europe where I was at the web uh, and uh, that let that research um, you know I share a lot of that those interviews online so if you go to youtube.com uh, scobalizer or slash building 43 you'll see them and um, that led into this uh, book called age of context because I about two years ago I started noticing uh, five separate trends and all f all five separate trends are important they, they could have their own book yeah, which are uh, uh, social network data is going up exponentially, location data is going up exponentially, uh, big data. Although I hate the term big data because it doesn't explain everything that's happening in the data in a, in a data database world. But we're not using Oracle anymore in this new world. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, add on sensors and wearable computers, and if you mix those five together, it makes possible a new kind of software that I call a, a contextual system or a, a contextual operating system. Yeah, well, the book, again, is called Age of Context, Mobile Sensors, Data, and the Future of Privacy. Uh, you know, you said a second ago, Robert, uh, that Rackspace has tasked you with uh, studying the future. I mean, my question to you is, with the Age of Context, and I think you and I will agree that, that, that we're in that, but... It, is the future much different? I mean, I feel like we're in the future. Yeah. With, I think we're in the future with this. Well, yeah, we're in the beginning stages of what we're seeing. Uh, I know Google and Apple are both working on operating systems that are contextual. And what I mean by contextual is uh, they're going to know that you're walking, running, skiing, driving, shopping, you know, <laughs> riding a bike. And or in a meeting, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't yet do that. So we're not yet in that age where where we really have a, a built-out system that really understands you at a deep level. We, we do have several apps that are sort of uh, showing you what's coming. Uh, Google Now is a great, great example where it tries to get ahead of you based on your context. It's looking inside your email. At, it's looking at your search behavior. It's looking at... Uh, your calendar and other signals, including what you're walking by. I, the other day, my my Google Now said, "Hey, there's a TV next to you. You want to take take control of the TV?" And I'm like, "Whoa, that's weird." Yeah. <laughs> yeah so the Internet of Things is uh, going to be controlled by this stuff as well. But what what we're really seeing is another age of mobile. What you know, the the first age of mobile is uh, now pretty complete. You know, we have a million apps on uh, iPhone and. Um, 
and we all know what a mobile phone is, but I think there's a, a new a new age coming where where the app where the mobile ecosystem gets different software than we've had possible up to now. Robert, you're paid and you're passionate about being ahead of the curve on all this, on this age of context and technology and, and where all this is going in. And quite honestly, uh, as a technical evangelist, your job is to understand these, these things that, that most of the common world hasn't gotten into yet. I bet you yeah. most people who are listening to this, they don't, Google now didn't tell them there was a TV next to them when they walked by their TV just an hour ago. I mean, they're, they're not at that level yet. Uh, is the marketplace ready for this age of context? I mean, they're in it. They're, they're, they're doing things on it. They, they're on Facebook. They have a mobile device. Maybe they check into Foursquare here and there. But are they really aware of, of what's Well, possible? keep in mind, my, my brother-in-law just got on Facebook a, a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> so the, the market includes everybody from me at the bleeding edge to somebody who's a late adopter like him or even – and there's plenty of people who still, who still are behind him. So uh, it, to me, I, I look at uh, markets like tides. They're not, they don't switch all at once. They, it's more like a, a tide starts flowing. And if you're at the beginning uh, of where that, that water comes in, uh, you, can, you can start up and sort of predict what the next <laughs> few hours are going to be like, right? <laughs> right, right. Oh, it's going to get deeper and deeper. You know? And then you figure out when it's going to turn around. Um, and, and that's how I look at markets. I, you know, the entire market. No, that you know, most people have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's part of the reasons you had to write this book was to forehead smack someone to say, "Hey, pay attention." I feel like there's two separate conversations we need to have here. One is is all right is is business, and I'm talking business from Fortune 500 to the home based entrepreneur. Are they prepared to take advantage and well, utilize? they should be, and if they're not, they're going to be slapped by the market. I mean, I look at how uh, the taxi companies are having to deal with Uber. Uh, you know, now some of them are fighting back pretty well. Uber is banned in Vancouver, for instance, but others are not uh, fighting back very well. And um, uh, you know, the, uh, Uber didn't change the fact that you got to ride somewhere, right? The, right. the taxi cab or the limo is pretty much the same. But what, what did it change? The whole thing is run by a mobile phone. And, and it, it has deep implications on what that company's run, how that company's run. For instance, um, you know, in a normal taxi company, you probably were rated uh, every six months. Like at Microsoft and, and where I, I used to work in it, at Rackspace, I'm, rated, I'm reviewed every six months. But an Uber driver is reviewed after every drive. So if he gets five bad drives, he's probably going to get fired. And and I, I don't have that kind of granular uh, level of being rated. Uh, you know, Travis, who runs Uber, can see everything about everything. He can see every piece of inventory, every employee, every customer, every transaction, and even what's causing the transactions to happen. Why Why did 100 calls just come in from a certain neighborhood? Oh, a baseball game just got out. <laughs> you know? yep. and. And he's building algorithms to actually uh, use the internet to find to find things that are going to cause calls to come in, so he can have predictive inventory. Because he wants to have, he his, he told me his goal is to have one driver next to you at all times, not five, because five's too many. Uh, that's not a, an efficient use of inventory, but one. And so he has to figure out what's going to cause the calls to come in, and he needs to have a predictive system, and. 
So our companies are going are all going to be run by like Uber. And if there if you if you are not yet to the place where you know everything about everything in your databases, you are not yet there. And believe me, I've talked to the world's best businesses. They are are not there. Um, and the second thing is, um, they know where their customer is standing, <laughs> you know, and they know uh, a lot about them, uh, what they look like, and and other things. So we've given some of our privacy up to them, and we've given our credit card up to them. Um, you know, uh, it, where I was going with that is every business needs to know a lot more about its customers, and even you know, I just had um, a dinner with the uh, Ritz executive team, Ritz Carlton. And they don't know anything about their customers anymore. And, and they said that is going to change. And that, that requires a different approach to business. Well, that kind of makes the point. Uh, you know, Ritz-Carlton is known for its customer service. And, and they, they, have, they have lived on the reputation of saying, hey, my job is just to, when I interface with a customer, to treat them well and to say my pleasure. But there's Yeah, but that used to be different. They used to have a room with the index cards where they would write down everything about you. They, they, they would know your kids' names. They would know if you like steak or fish. They would know what drink you like. They would know if you go to the spa. And they would write it down on that index card. They have no clue about who I am anymore. And so they're not even providing the same level of standard of, of service that they used to when they were one, one place. And they said that is going to change in this new world. Absolutely going to change. Well, I guess, the, how does an, an organization, and, and I guess an organization that I'm talking about in the context of this question, which is a larger one that probably has resources to bear to this, is, is understanding what to do with their data. They, this, we've been recording now almost 10 minutes, and there's probably been more data recorded worldwide in that 10 minutes that, than has been done the previous 10 years, or is some crazy stat like that. But most organizations have data, or they have access to it, but they're not doing a damn thing with it. How, does, how do we begin to, to well, climb that hill? Most of them really don't have that much data. I mean, the Ritz really doesn't know that I like Oban Scotch whiskey or whatever I'm drinking. You know, they really don't. They don't have that data. <laughs> that's the first. That's in fact. If you go to the Ritz, they have four separate computers that are running their property, and they don't talk together. They they're not hooked together. You know, they have an open table computer that runs the main restaurant. They have a separate, I, I think, an IBM system that runs their main hotel. They have a spa finder that runs the spa, and they're not talking to each other. And, and then they certainly don't go out and talk to Facebook or Foursquare. I've checked in 300 times there. And and what I know they don't because when their social media team talks to me, it, which is great, they have a social media team, yay, yay team, but uh, they don't. They get tone deaf really quickly because they don't know who I am. <laughs> right, and, right. And that that is what I'm seeing. Yes, there is a lot of data out there. Yes, businesses are uh, starting to wake up. They're starting to uh, buy Hadoop clusters and get data scientists on staff and do all that. But they're, we're in such early days. And by the way, the data uh, coming off of these things is going to be a hundred times bigger than it is was today. Keep in mind, what really changed is our mobile phone is different than a desktop. You know, I'm staring at a desktop. It's not moving around the world. It doesn't have sensors on it that study your pattern through life. It doesn't know who I'm standing next to. <laughs> it doesn't know that I just crossed the geofence into a into a restaurant. Or if I go into an Apple store now, there's a low energy Bluetooth radio in that store that my phone can talk to or, or can sense. And uh, we're seeing a new kind of operating system possible because of our mobile phone. <clears throat> but that means that our data flows are going to be a, 
many hundreds of times more than well, they are. You said in the book, and I should also say that you co-wrote this with Shell Israel, so I want to be sure we get, yep. him, we get him mentioned here. But I'm looking at you on Skype right now on a uh, on a MacBook Pro that I bought, I think, at the tail end of 2011. I look at this thing, and I'm embarrassed. It's 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 an antique. Yep. And, and and I I almost hate to bring it out in the world because that I, I come across is, is, is this old fart with this old technology. Uh, I think it's important to, to, to set the context, no pun intended, for the balance of this conversation that you do a quick run through, if you don't mind, of these five forces yeah. that you say are, are now in the perfect storm. Walk us well, through I, those real quick. Yeah, I already mentioned them. It's, uh, social networks, location networks, uh, big data sensors and wearable computers you know wearable computers for instance uh i have an oakley uh, airwave goggle that senses where i am on the ski mountain and it shows me where my family is skiing it, all they have to do is load an app on their android or iphone uh it shows me how fast i'm going it shows me the hang time of my last jump and and a few other things so that's just a ski goggle <laughs> right. and that's that's what's going on so it means when you mix these five forces together, it means two things for consumers, for, for us human beings. It means that we're going to get very personalized product. The ski goggle is a great example. Of that. If you put my ski goggle on, you see my data. You don't see yours. It's very personalized. And it's um, uh, predictive. It can get predictive. It can say, oh, you know, it's 2 o'clock. It, it doesn't yet do this, but it, it will soon because I've talked to Oakley. Um it's two o'clock and you haven't had lunch and you've been skiing all morning. Um, you know, would you like me to make reservations at your favorite sushi restaurant at the bottom of the hill? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, you might say, oh, that sounds weird. But there's a company called Tap and Go that does exactly that for college kids. Uh, stocks the college kid. Uh, uh, you know, at, on 20 campuses, it's being used to pay for everything. So if you're at Santa Clara University, you buy your books, you buy your coffee, you buy your sandwiches, you buy your, your laundry service. Everything goes through Tap and Go. And it, it, it stocks you. It follows you around. And um, after a week, it says, hey, would you like your normal iced latte? You know, when you get up in the morning and you, and you leave your dorm room. Oh, yeah, sure. Click. And it sends that order in automatically to a machine inside the coffee shop. It beeps, it lights up, it spits out a receipt. It, the receipt goes right on the cup like, like it would if you went into Starbucks. And, um, and they make it. And, it. and it's made before you get there. And when you get there, you just go in and pick it up. You don't stand in line. And you leave. You don't talk to anybody, or you don't have to. You can say hi to the person there. But you don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to show off any, any identification. They know you're there. Your mobile phone's there. So this is a new payment world that we're uh, heading into. It's a new a transaction world we're heading into. It's a new uh, stocking world where this thing knows everything about you, every everything. Knows where you've been, knows who you're hanging out with, knows who, what kind of coffee you drink every morning, if you drink coffee or tea or whatever. Well, I want to get into the privacy implications of all this, yeah. uh, but but before we do, it always comes up. Well, you know, and and I suspect you and I are are have a similar feeling on that, but I want to get into that separately. You know, on these five forces, I I sit there and I look at them and I think about them, and I say, all right, well, is there one that's more important? And and I could make the case <laughs> that each of them has has the ability to to as you said at the beginning of the show there could be a separate book on each of these. I mean, is one more more important than than the other, or do they have to all work in synergy for this for this? They almost all have to be there to really make the thing possible. Um, 
you know, you can make a contextual system sort of happen without sensors, but really it gets great. You know, your your mobile phone has seven sensors in it. And if you have the new iPhone 5S, it has a motion sensor. And there's an app called Moves that knows whether already it knows whether you're running, walking, driving, or uh, biking and can do things based on that context. And you, you, you need all five mixed together. You know, if there was one that's more used, it would probably be databases. But, you know, we've had databases for a long time. It's just that the data flows are going to be extraordinary. And so you can't, you can't really architect on an old-style Oracle system. Oracle does build NoSQL databases, and that's what, that's what it'll take to keep up with the streams of data. I mean, I'm just watching Twitter on my, stream, my, on my screen, and I'm seeing a new tweet every half a second because I'm following so many people. And this, you know, the average uh, day on Twitter sees half a billion tweets. So you think about that data flow. That is not something you could have built 10 years ago. You just didn't have the data center to build it. You didn't have the technology. And most of the technology that the developers are building modern companies on is less than six years old. It didn't exist when we uh, wrote our first book. So, yeah, you need all five really to make a contextual system. you know, uh, here's another example, you know, right? and take it into the enterprise world. Union Pacific has put sensors underneath each of the rails. They're seeing 40, 40 million hits off those sensors a day already, and it's a railroad company. And they're studying uh, when something goes over the track, uh, does it need maintenance or not, But just by listening to it. And, you know, and uh, uh, General Electric is doing the same thing with its wind turbines and with its jet engines. Um, on and on, right? The data flows coming off of our companies in the future are going to be extraordinary. Is there, of those five forces, is there one that's less mature and has the, the more tremendous... Wearable. Wearable, is just, wearable computers are just coming coming around. And, you know, I, I guess you could say the mobile phone is sort of wearable, but it's it's not on you in the same place. If you look at my Google Glass, uh, Google Glass is the first uh, gadget that knows where I'm aimed and where my eyes are looking due to an eye sensor. That's a lot of data that we didn't have to study before, and that lets us do something new and that you can't do on a desktop. Your desktop can't do what the Google Glass does. Well, let's... Let's talk about privacy. I mean, let's be honest. It is the elephant in the room here. I mean, I I feel like we're hypocrites, or at least most of the people out there are hypocrites. When they sit there and they, if they listen to the first 19 minutes of this conversation, they hear the the number of examples that you've decided of some amazing things that are possible. And then you look at the Ritz and say, wow, imagine when they do figure it out what they're going to be able to do in terms of customer service. But then... That same person who marvels at all this amazingness complains and bitches when Facebook changes their security settings again or does something, and they and they're all they're all fussy about it. Uh, where where do we go from here? I'm of the opinion I'm I'm one of those people I don't complain about Facebook publicly because frankly I'm not paying for it, and so thus I don't feel like I have uh, a, you know I mean I, but but it's a real and issue. And I also use it for private stuff. You know I mean I I don't even use Snapchat for private stuff. I don't I don't believe putting anything on a computer or on a mobile phone that I want to really keep private other than, well, I do put my credit cards in there. And I, I, it's not that I care that you see my credit card, but I care that you use it against me and take cash out of my account. So uh, some of it is, it's not that I don't, I care that you see my bank account. 
size. It's that, and a lot of people do. It's that I care that you, I have control of, of where that money goes. <laughs> right, and, right, right, and that. And so we spent a lot of time in the book talking about privacy, and uh, you know we're going to use companies that we trust. Um, trust is going to be a currency in this new age. Yeah, go deeper on that. I wanted to get into that a bit. Because if you don't trust Facebook for your private information, you're not going to put private information into it. So it's going to limit its business models at some point. And same thing with Google, right? Or same thing with Amazon. Think about Amazon. If you didn't trust Amazon to ship you a product and get it to your house every time and not abuse your credit and not abuse your bank accounts, you wouldn't use it, right? So uh, at at a deep level, these companies have to be about trust. And, And trust means three things. One, are, are they transparent with what they're collecting on you? Uh, Google is, so that they actually passed this first part. So if you go to google.com slash privacy, you can see everything it's collecting on you, which is an extraordinary amount of data. They, you know, they have all my email. And if you think about all my email, that means they have a lot of my passwords, a lot of my credit card, a lot of my travel information, a lot of my my social, my real social graph, right? Not my Facebook social graph, but my the social graph of business contacts and friends and family that I really send stuff to. Um, they know every search I make, uh, and on, and they know a lot of my social data because I use Google Plus, and, and most pe- uh, many people use it at least at some level. Maybe not nearly as much as Facebook or Twitter, but they, you know, there's a lot of people using it. I can see that, um, and on and on. So at least they they passed the first thing. The second thing is, can you fix the data? Uh, you know, I live on a golf course, and and uh, in our book we talk about personal digital assistants. Google now is the most famous example, but there's a a few dozen of these new kinds of uh, things that try to uh, assist you with your life. Uh, Saga is one of them, and it kept saying stuff to me about you know golf. Uh, classes and hey, you might want to go and do a golf class today, or you might want to you know, get a deal on some golf clubs or something like that. It's like shut up about golf. I hate golf. I don't want to play golf. I don't care about golf. But you keep telling me about golf stuff because I live on a golf course. So it it saw the signal. The signal is correct, but it isn't correct in context. It, it, it didn't. It wasn't very smart. And and this will happen. You know, systems will see the wrong pattern in a in a stream of data, but can I correct it? Can I change it? Can I say, no, don't show me anything about golf anymore? Um, you know, can I get rid of ads if I've, you know, done something and I don't want to see ads anymore? I, you know, um, so far the systems I trust let me do that. And the systems that I don't trust don't let me do that. If, uh, Google now, by the way, asks me, is this important to you? <laughs> Uh, no. And then it goes away and it doesn't come back. And, and what you're saying is if, if they take the, 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 the move to inquire about something being important or not, and you, and you answer and then, and they, and then they, they incorporate that into, into future delivery of media, then, then that's how they build trust. Yeah. Okay. It, the third thing is, can you turn it off? You know, the, the new Xbox connect sensor, for instance, can see, uh, your heart rate from across the room. So let, let's say you have that in your bedroom you know? <laughs> right. Think about that one for a minute. It's aimed at your bed and it can see your heart rate and it knows the time and it knows other things. So can I uh, say, hey, will you just turn your sensor off and not let the NSA watch what I'm doing for the next three hours? <laughs> you know? Or in um, some cases, 15 minutes, right? I understand. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, 
you know, and can I turn it off? And can I, uh, you know, keep it from studying me and, and all that? And we're going to figure that out. Um, you know, Scotty Vest, the guy who makes my shirts, uh, is making a pocket uh, that blocks transmission of stuff. You know, so if you have an RFID tag, for instance, if you're in New York uh, and you have a easy pass uh, so you can pay for uh, going through the tunnels, it, your easy pass is being studied by the police all through the city. And most people didn't know that until a hacker actually proved that it was going on. Um, and so he's trying to make a pocket that will keep that RFID tag from uh, pinging your, your uh, location to everybody. Well, I, I guess you forced the question in the book, and is you have to either accept this and do good with it, or or there's going to be abuse with it, and you can and you can complain about it all the time. I, I mean, do do does the general consumer out there do they just have to surrender and say, look, <laughs> they, the, age context, the age of context is saying, look, I, surrender. Uh, I, you have to give this data up, and and yes, yes, and we will. Because we're going to get utility for it. You know, almost most of my friends use credit cards. And credit cards were the largest gifting of private information to a public company the world has ever seen. And, yeah, we don't get too scared about that. Uh, and and we do it because we get utility. You know, in fact, it's safer to use a credit card in a lot of ways than carry cash around. But, you know, Richard Stallman, I had dinner with Richard Stallman, and he has a button that says pay cash for everything. Stay off the grid, you know. Um <laughs> You know, and the problem is by carrying cash around, if somebody robs you and you have $500 in your pocket, that $500 is gone. If somebody robs you on a credit card, you call your bank, hey, I just got robbed and this weird charge came up. And oh, okay, we'll reverse the charge. Well, you know, you know the, the last chapter in the book is, is, a, is a fun examination of the world in 2038. And, and, and I, it's, that's almost worth the, uh, the price of the book itself is to, is to see the, the Scoble vision of, of the future. But uh, gosh, what? I mean, well, it was me and Shell. We were, <laughs> and we, we actually toned it down because we were like, well, I, I think uh, this is actually going to happen. <laughs> but, <laughs> we what? actually toned it down just to make it a little bit more uh, re reality. Well, I would love to see that draft someday. Uh, the uh, Robert, what is next? I mean, think think of a of a of an organization in the modern world, and and, and they've and they're and they're and they're tapping or dipping their toe in the water here, trying to understand that. Uh, I mean, what what are some what let's, are some big concepts they need to be thinking about? Let's keep on the privacy for a second, and I think we are going to see a, a have and have not, or a a new kind of digital divide, not between people who who can afford it and not afford it, but people who participate not participate. Um, you know, I'm already seeing benefits of using uh, of giving up my privacy to uh, uh, you know things on my mobile phone. For instance, I use a, a system called TripIt, so I give TripIt access to my Gmail, so it can go in and look through my Gmail for travel information. And it 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 regularly saves my ass. And it, here's how: I was in a United Airlines uh, jet uh, in Chicago, and I was watching my phone. And um, we were just leaving the gate, if I remember right. And TripIt says your flight's being canceled. And here, click here to get another flight out of town. I clicked there. I got a flight out of town. Turns out there was only three seats available on the on the other flight that that evening. And I got one of them, and I, I won the game of life that night. Uh, you know, there was I don't know 150 people on the plane, 147 of which had to stay overnight. And 
uh, we're in competition with each other for everything. And we don't like to think about that. But I can get a, you know, if I use Open Table, I can get a, um, a reservation at a restaurant, and before you might be able to get call, even call up and get a phone call through to the front desk, and so I might I might have had a better time tonight because <laughs> I use Open Table or I use TripIt or I use Google Now or I use these things, and there's a deep utility coming, and it's going to be pretty hard to stay off the system. Most people are going to buy into it because, uh, you know, when we talk to Mark Andreessen. He says you're going to get free ice cream for this, and w- whenever people get free ice cream, they tend they tend to give up their privacy, um, just like they did with credit cards. So, uh, you know, what what does it mean for businesses um, if you are not thinking about how the mobile phone is changing your customer base? Uh, you're really doing yourself a deep disservice uh, if you're not watching what happened with Uber. Um, and how it's affecting the taxi industry and the limo industries, uh, you're doing yourself a deep disservice. That company is less than four years old, and it already has a worldwide brand. You know, when I spoke to executives at, uh, in Australia, they all had used, almost all, the 80% had used an Uber already. That is extraordinary growth for a small startup. And, and it, it's because we all have mobile phones, and we all have Twitter, and we all have Facebook. So we can tell each other about cool new ideas. Absolutely. Robert, there's there's more stories like Uber happening every day and in large part Everything. to the work that you're doing to get those stories out there. But I, if you're if you're still sitting there and resisting the age of context as a small business person or frankly as any organization, uh, then then you're falling way behind. Robert, what I also discovered is 30 minutes is not near enough to talk about the age of context and all that that implies. Uh, but I'm, I'm about out of time before I let you go. How can people get in touch with you, learn about your work, and get their hands on the book, Age of Context? Uh, It's on Amazon. It's a little uh, bookstore company up in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can get it on Kindle, on Audible for audiobooks, or get an old uh, Dead Tree version sent to your house. Outstanding. Robert Scoble, (laughs) the author of Age of Context, co-written with Shell Israel. Robert, I appreciate your time. Uh, uh, I uh, hope our paths cross again soon. Hey, thank you very much. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. On behalf of my guest, Robert Scoble, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. What you want? What you want? You've been listening to Intrepid Radio, hosted by me, Todd Schnick. You can find the show at intrepidradioshow.com. If you enjoyed the broadcast, kindly leave a rating and review on iTunes. Until next time, stay bold, and I'll see you soon on the Intrepid Radio Show. Intrepid Radio.